Hey, common scientists, we are coming to you today with the topic of electric vehicles, electric cars, uh, safe transportation, safe in terms of energy. Uh, it's been a bit of a debate what to call it, but we're coming to you today with that topic. So we've got myself, Lauren, Aiden, and Dre. And as always, this is the Common Science Cast, meaning we are commoners that are bringing science to you guys. So the goal is to bring some questions to the table and do some research and philosophize to have a better understanding of our world as common scientists. So I'm gonna kick it off to Dre with just a little bit of the history or when maybe the first talk of electric vehicles or electric cars started. Yeah, so this was one of, similar to like the George Washington Carver research, I was just like pleasantly surprised by some of the history. Not that it was like very interesting, but I just didn't know there was that much history. Mm-hmm. For example, um, there was an electric car created in 1881 by Gustav Truva, I don't know. Something. 1881? Yes. Wow. That's pretty cool. 1881, so remarkable. Gustav Truva or something. Um, and he, dis- he displayed it at the Paris Electricity Exposition. In 1884, there was a rechargeable battery car made by Thomas Parker. In 1895, I think about 20 years maybe before the Ford Model T, there was a German inventor named Andreas Flocken who created the Flocken Elektrowagen. And this is often considered the first real electric car. Man, that guy's name. The Flocken. The Flocken. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and one thing that was, I was just like, whoa, this is crazy, is that electric cars in the late 1800s, specifically the early 1900s, when cars start really blossoming, um, they were highly desired. And they were used as taxis in Britain early on, as well as in the US, at times when people were still just using horse-drawn carriages. So that really blew my mind. I was like, I had not, like, imagined, like, that image, like, in a movie. Like, that's a lot of place. You know like, I, mean? I really want to believe you, but do you have a source on that? That It just blows my conception of history. Um, I will get back to you on the source. That will be in the show notes. That's okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I just, I mean, it, it just, yeah, it really screws with my mind. It seems so recent. So that's so wild. Definitely. In 1899, there was a car that set the land speed record at 65.79 miles per hour. And then it was actually, so you're kind of, if you're like, oh, wait, like the world is trying to kind of move to electric cars now, what happened in the last 100 or so years? Like, how did we get into um, ICEs, the not so bad ice, which is internal combustion engine? And yes, it is partly because of the money, (laughs) for sure, Lauren. So what really changed the game was the invention of the electric starter motor for um internal combustion engines so before there was always a really tedious like really difficult way to start cars you guys have probably seen these hand cranks on really old cars um so that was for these oh get this you guys i have started a hand crank vehicle yeah so yeah so my grandpa on his farm he has an old old john deere tractor it starts with a crank it's on the side of it uh and so growing up i learned how to start the the crank tractor which was very finicky and way more challenging than starting a car today i just i i didn't realize but yeah so that's something that probably not many people have done i feel so 
looks so cool now. I've never, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely a couple points there. So yeah, so the electric starter was really what changed the game for ICEs. And it just made it, and because the engines were way easier to mass produce and they end up like with oil prices dropping and all that, they became way cheaper. That is how oil running cars took over the electric, the early electric vehicles. And then throughout, so then coming back into kind of a modern day, there was the invention of the, what's it called? The lithium ion battery in the eighties, I believe that led to electric vehicles being more feasible again, as well as the invention of metal oxide semiconductors, MOS or MOSFET as well. That happened, I think in the sixties. So those two things were really when people started to take electric cars, not really like as a community or like as a society seriously again, but just like in those realms, like, hmm, we can kind of do this. And then of course, in the nineties, CARB was created, which is the California Air Resources Board. And they were like, hmm, our air is going to shit. Everything is smoggy. If you've ever been to LA, you know what I'm talking about. We need to start phasing out these um, ICEs. And a lot of other countries really shot past California and America. For example, Norway has an ICE phase out by 2025. That means no more internal combustion engines can be sold, only electric vehicles or possibly hybrids. I'm not sure on that detail, which is really cool. All of Scandinavia has it by 2030. And I think like 11 states or so or 18 states in the U.S. are supposed to be phased out by 2050. 2050. Come on, states. Pick up the pace. America. America. <laughs> Dang, though. That's some fascinating history. So we hear that price was an issue. Ease was an issue. Um, access, it sounds like, too. And some of the science needed to catch up with some of the idea, too. I think, too, there was um, a bit of the, the powers that be trying to change the conversation. No, the oil <laughs> companies? Yeah, them and, they and, and, do and, the, and the automobile companies. Yeah. R&D costs a good chunk of change, and they didn't want to, want to change. But, yeah, anyways, just wanted to throw R&D, research and development, in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> yeah. Nerd. <laughs> so... Do you guys recall having like a first or when do you guys remember being fascinated by the electric vehicle? Hmm. Because I remember when it first was a thing and it was, what was it called? Something that people just laughed about, like the first kind of electric type vehicle. Do you guys remember? Oh, I can't remember, but I, yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a thing where people in the U.S. at least did mm-hmm. not take it so seriously. Oh, I remember <laughs> just my dad, like we had, similar to when you would see like a slug bug, you've probably heard like slug bug, no backs, and you sock someone. Anytime we saw this specific type of electric car, it was before Tesla. I can't think of what yeah, it was called, I but recall. we... It was one specific company? I think it was. Oh, okay. Um and maybe like a type of car, but I just remember my family laughing about it. I'll, I'll maybe look it up in a bit too. But, um, and so that was what I, what I started, where my perception of electric vehicles started. Uh, and then I also did a project in middle school on pretending to invent a water run vehicle. So like probably early fascination there, then it became a thing electrically, right? 
And I thought it was hilarious because that's what I was taught by my family. And now, like, my dream car would be to own a Tesla. So, like, quite a progression. And I bet I bet other people our age or my age maybe have a similar progression. Yeah, I think it helped that Tesla motors made the electric vehicle sexy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. They were quite hideous. Even, like, the early... I have a Prius now. And I actually... I know a lot of people don't like the look of even modern Priuses. I think that modern Priuses are actually cool looking. I don't think it's just, like, the sexiest car in the world. Right. I think it's a pretty cool design. Sleek. It's got some nice curves and all that good stuff. But the, like, 05... I think it was the Prius. <laughs> was it the Prius? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so. yeah, that makes sense. Because, like, early on... Yeah, the Prius was the first, like, like yeah. huge. Okay. Yeah, And they so were quite hideous. Oh, that was yeah, it. I mean, yeah. like, oh, you drive a Prius and yes. it was, like, the yeah, gay right. vehicle yeah. and yeah, the... That makes no, yeah, you're 100% right. Yeah, if you drove a Prius, you got just straight shitted on. 100%. Now anyone yeah. who has an electric car, I'm like, fuck, you're years ahead of me. But <laughs> right, I'm just, like, yeah. high and mighty now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> see that, that goes back to our conversation about selfishness. It's like, oh, am I trying to save the environment or am I just trying to look really cool and pretend like I'm saving the environment and therefore gain, gaining social status Option and social D. currency? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the Prius definitely has come a long way, still kind of looked down upon. But I think as even like Elon Musk's Cybertruck, it doesn't look like the Toyota Prius, but it still does have this kind of more like stripped down futuristic look that yeah. a Prius I think was also kind of going for as well but they didn't have I guess the team that Tesla has <laughs> behind them but I think to, back to your point about early cars besides the Prius is just being straight roast fodder there was also the Fisker I think in 08 or 09 mm. um, so the Fisker Karma to be more specific was a luxury electric car and they end up going out of business but Fisker has reopened again for screen but they ended up going on business but that was like a super softer car it was in a few different movies it was kind of like a lot of people talked about it and it was it had that cool thing where you started and it doesn't make sound and yeah. it's fast and then they have to uh, i can't remember what year it was like 2010 or something there was this huge initiative that all these hybrids and electric cars had to have out of artificial sound put in them so that for blind people and just people who aren't looking i heard that yeah. <laughs> um so kind of interesting stuff but the fisker is super sexy that car is you pull up in that that's a bad mamajama lauren's looking it up to I confirm have to, yeah, have to. Seen it. i think i saw a photo of that yeah it was but like you said it was a higher-end vehicle right yeah yeah super yeah. expensive yeah but i guess tesla those too like they're obviously coming down but yep. the first tesla was very yeah. expensive oh too. yeah yeah uh i'm not yeah, yeah. what were the first cars i don't know what wow. about you aiden oh go ahead this? Yes. Is a sexy vehicle. Yes, the Fisker mm. is no joke. <laughs> so they were like, Prius, move away, like, move aside. We're about to bring electric to the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. But um, I think that was part of Elon Musk's uh, strategy, right? Was to break into the high end market originally with Tesla, yep. make a boatload of money, uh, create batteries at a lower cost, and then create vehicles with those batteries that were more economically friendly and now that we're getting to the years where there will be more used uh, electric vehicles available it's like yay my market might be able to buy one yeah the thing i haven't looked into too much is i'm curious about uh like if there's anybody working i'm sure there is but uh working on ways to retroactively fit a vehicle like if you already have an internal combustion engine yeah that's a car. thing that's a thing mm -hmm. okay if you can transition it over to electric 
Um, but anyways, yeah, yeah, so Tesla made it sexy. I had to ask. We all three then must be pro electric vehicles. I mean, I'm just like checking because there are people who still are not. I mean, they're like very much against it. Um, yeah, I'm definitely for it. Like yes. I think, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Elon Elon Musk and Tesla Motors can can bring down the cost or whoever else is producing. I know that since so the the thing that I mentioned earlier about the R and D cost so the research and development cost, a lot of companies uh, like to keep that low because that keeps their profits high, right? Um, but because uh, a company like Tesla's Tesla emerged and and is kicking is butt kicking butt and is creating the the market demand for electric vehicles uh yeah all these other companies are, are dragging their feet and starting to starting to produce their own hybrids and and electric vehicles as well so i think that's yeah a step in the right direction definitely um to that last thing about dragging their feet yes companies have been dragging their feet and they've also been doing a little bit more than that they've also been lobbying against some electric <laughs> car car companies like tesla stuff yep. like that um, but also in the 90s when California did come out with like carb and that um, mandate and all that type of stuff they a lot of companies did start producing like one EV car It'd always be like the Ford something EV or the yeah. Toyota mm-hmm. something EV mm-hmm. a lot of like major players did do that but for whatever reason maybe America wasn't just ready wasn't ready yet maybe they didn't invest a lot into it maybe they didn't do enough R&D whatever it was those really fizzled out then a couple years later came the Prius somehow made it i don't know how (laughs) but prius made it through and then around the same i think tesla the company is either like the exact same age as prius or like a year younger or older than the prius so around the same time these these companies were had very different visions for what the electric car was going to do maybe like you're saying maybe the prius was for an average person maybe even though they're not that cheap and then maybe the tesla was just for higher end who knows but we do have the first quote-unquote affordable Prius coming soon. I think the year 2024, about. Sometimes Tesla's a little bit finicky with those dates. How much is affordable? Um, it is about $25,000. And I'm sure that would just be like the stock. I'm sure you can get up there if you start trying to add some packages to it. Right. But 25K about. And, but then there are a lot of like tax incentives depending on what state you live in. And there's obviously a lot of things that go into cost with like how much you save on gas and all that. So I definitely saw some articles yeah. that, including Consumer Report, that were talking about buying like the Tesla. It could actually be like a true value of like buying a car for like thirteen thousand dollars for all like the brakes and credits and stuff yeah, that you could that, deal with it. And beyond that too, I've heard that like so, I mean it's definitely a broad proclamation, but I think at least with the Tesla, the electric vehicle or the electric engine component at the very least uh, is less uh, prone to breaking down mm, less and less, oh, less yeah, yeah. expensive <clears throat> to yep. maintain over time. Yep, far less to the ICE. Yeah. Have no oil changes. No oil changes. $90 at Valvoline. Yep. Yep. So $7 off. I have to say, it sounds too good to be true. Are you guys concerned about the energy cost? Cost, I mean, cost in terms of dollars and cost in terms of literally, I mean, energy production. We talked a while mm-hmm. back about the energy crisis that our world is experiencing. Yeah, I'm less concerned with uh, like the energy demand because I think it's already there. And if you can transition from 
a petrol-based energy consumption to uh, a renewable or nuclear-based energy consumption like that is yeah just less carbon in the atmosphere uh, the the thing that I'm a little more concerned for with regard to the batteries is that I mean they they work off of minerals right and those have to be mined somewhere and so there are uh, are some are, is the potential for ecological damage and like yeah wherever those minerals are extracted uh, as well as like socio-political uh, damage too so that's like definitely something to be aware of more damage than gasoline uh i am not informed enough to say one way or the other it's uh, got to be but, hard to say though because i have even heard that like the mining now you guys i don't know if you guys know better because this is totally hearsay i have no research to back this up but i have even heard that like some of the products that go into creating my apple iphone are like both mined unethically and are causing quite a bit of damage to the environment so i mean i i just think there's a larger problem here that i think we gotta at least talk about a little bit yeah for sure i 100 percent agree i i again i'm also not like it seems like similar to you guys i'm not super i didn't do like a ton of research on that part and i haven't heard too much about it yes to the mining and the unethical stuff and child labor kind of slave labor type of deal um definitely no bueno yeah <laughs> definitely not good um so that that's not just hearsay or at least you've also heard that i've also heard it hearsay okay and i've yeah, seen like it wasn't just like oh i've like seen articles about it okay and not i'm not like i didn't do a ton of research but that's the general right. consensus that yes that is the thing there is and that a lot of people i know a lot of people like don't buy iphones because of that and i'm sure like a lot of these minerals that are going into the tesla I don't know. I mean, that's just yeah. allegedly. Right. I don't know. Supposedly, supposedly, I mean, that's something to be to aware look of. into as, as you a consumers, common scientist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and to be aware of that. All being said, like the the benefits of the of moving our transportation sector off of petrol and towards uh, like renewables or nuclear is huge, and that it, it and that from our from the consensus of scientists out there that say that climate change is, is real and happening and, and upon us, uh, transitioning a sector that I think so is disproportionately consuming petrol uh, or petroleum products. Uh, it's so I think, what was it? It's like 90 for, it was like 95% of power that goes into vehicles in the US is from gasoline products and still that's today. producing carbon uh yeah or what was that from that? the source 95 percent so today 40 percent of u.s power generation comes from non-fossil sources fossil fuel sources however 95 percent of transportation energy comes from fossil fuels mm. so it's it, it's yeah so if you're you're thinking about trying to solve the carbonization of our atmosphere it's a big sector to tackle and transition away from it yeah i definitely think that's i mean I, that's like the number one reason to go electric right i mean if oh we're, yeah if we're being no, conscientious people yeah, yeah, <laughs> citizens of earth that's got to be number one um number two is probably that electric is cool man the, the tesla goes zero to 60 in like three seconds and oh, yeah. the new the new roaster they're supposed to be coming out with is supposed to do it in like 1.9 seconds so 
They're spaceships. Super cool. They're quiet. 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 Deadly spaceships. According to Elon, you can set it to like dance mode and put on a song and it'll do like some sort of car dance. Pretty cool. But yeah, no, and even going back to what you're saying about. It, <laughs> Wait, back up. Are you serious? Yeah, Elon said that on a podcast. What? He, he said it's like a, a Easter egg. Like, nah, people know about it. But then he said it on Joe Rogan's podcast, the biggest podcast in America. So <laughs> now I know about it. Yeah, he, yeah. He's when we're rich and famous, some, I hope someone at least just—I just want to ride in dance mode. I, someone, some listener out there, I just want to ride. I've ridden in one Tesla ever, and the—I gotta say—the self-driving mode, bizarre. How uncomfortable did you feel as a passenger? Oh, we were in LA, and there's like concrete barriers in between everything because there's just mad construction and lots of other cars on the road too. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was unsettling. <laughs> like, there's concrete barrier on one side and then traffic going by on the right side. And, and oh, yeah, uh, my friend Tristan, he just took his hands off the wheel and car drove itself just fine. If that Tesla was an Uber driver, what star rating would you give him? <laughs> if that Tesla was an Uber driver, ooh, five star. Five stars. Yeah, easy. Five star Uber driver Tesla. Come on, y'all. <laughs> Automated vehicles. Where you at? Uh, yeah, so I, I, what I think, too is that so we're like we're not gonna it doesn't seem like it seems like population is gonna keep ballooning for a little while that means there's gonna be more people in the cities right so when i think about being stuck in traffic and i we live in the twin city well i live in the twin cities in minneapolis so traffic not so bad i've also spent a significant amount of time in la traffic not so good out there <laughs> so yeah. it's, going, it's going to get a little bit worse for a little while probably when i think about that I think about a Tesla or any automated vehicle and just being able to take my hands off the wheel in the middle of traffic and read a book or do something like prepare for whatever I'm going to do next, prepare for work, whatever, oh. and saving that time and how much more. And it doesn't even have to be productive. Take a nap. I don't care what you got to do. Just is do it, whatever yeah. you need to do that is yeah. not sitting in right traffic now, and wasting though, your life. Isn't the law in states, I mean, places where electric vehicles are... I mean, allowed self-driving cars, which I think is, I don't know anywhere that it's outlawed, but isn't it required that you have to have an alert person sitting in a seat and like that you have to have your hands available? Like, wouldn't it be illegal to read a book? Uh, Yes, to my understanding, that's true. Someone I think did recently get ticketed for like falling asleep or something like that. I was saying like in the future. Like, I'm not yeah, saying that. Like, I'm saying like 20 years down the road or something when we like, no, this is what happens. Like you get into a vehicle, it drives itself. Yeah, like that it is what it. But you probably don't even own it. It's probably just like some whatever public thing, whatever. Like yeah. some, well, somewhere down in the future where it's like, no, it's tried and true. This is what we accepted, and every other vehicle on the road is also electric, so there's no room for human error. That That's sounds cool. Yeah. Do you think yeah. that'll happen if, within our lifetime? I yes. think within our lifetime. Really? So by 2050, some state, most states, some states. No, it was like 18 or something. Not not enough or 11. I can't remember. I saw. Couple numbers are jumping in my head, but somewhere in there. We be in twenty fifty. Oh, like fifty. Old. Yeah, well. yeah. Five. Oh, yeah, older. Like, I was like, wait, I was like, I was in the year two thousand. So I was like, hold on. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, Matt. Yeah. So. Wow. No blame. No blame. And then I think too, like with going back to the point about the impact on the environment. Number one, it doesn't seem to be. I mean, it's not climate change, right? It's not. We got to get rid of oil. It's, but number two, I think 
where America has to get and where other countries have to get even more so, even though they're far ahead of us, is just public transport. It's just that we can't, ha- every person can't own a car. It just right. can't be the case. Like, we have to have public transport. And in my crazy utopia of the future electric cars, where there's publicly provided vehicles that can pull up to your house because everything is just automated and it's very simple, very low cost, very whatever, and we switched all the grids and all our resources to this electric world, I think that's very feasible. But also, just walking down to the, the second corner and getting onto a subway like they do in Japan and so many other countries, it's yeah. also feasible, it's just America, we're not there yet. Yeah, yeah, that's, I, I think there's definitely, it's a slow movement towards some of that uh, in, in certain, at least pockets of the U.S. Uh, yeah, uh, so one thing that I thought was, I, I totally, yeah, public transit for sure, uh, high-speed trains for sure, I'm all for it. Uh, the other thing that I think is kind of funny that I, I heard suggested in, on investigating the the f- different people's perspectives on the future of transportation uh, is is bikes, bikes sorry bicycles mm-hmm. so yeah just the the traditional two-wheeled manually ridden bike low carbon good for your health uh, i mean i think well, about in a lot of places in a lot of places it's no carbon right uh well, well if you're breathing but, <laughs> <laughs> but you're breathing anyway I, I all, right, all right fair enough you know you're not wrong and, you're not and, wrong and the carbon that goes in the tires i'm not i'm not wrong it's low it's like minuscule <laughs> statistically insignificant um, but he's not wrong but i'm not, not wrong. wrong statistically insignificant but not wrong <laughs> stupid uh but yeah it's just funny that like a technology that was invented a while ago yeah might, might be part of the solution yeah growing up in a rural community and then moving to rochester minnesota and now moving to the twin cities i'm so excited that i will be able to bike to like the grocery store or i mean out if i wanted to or yeah it's oftentimes quicker all sorts of too things. and like it's if there's traffic quicker if it's if there's traffic and it's a, a short ride uh yeah you don't have to worry about parking so I, w- I would highly recommend it to anybody living pretty close to things but yeah i'm, I'm a big anti-bike guy you're a big anti-bike guy <laughs> anti-bike guy what death machines what death yes. machines yeah so dangerous Oh, because man. of whom the shit drivers that need to be replaced by electric cars or like your inability to look both ways Dre? that's public and en- public enemy one and two right there <laughs> my both. and number three is the actually number two move me down number three number two is the manufacturers or just the just a bike in general it's like it's so prone to accidents so it's just like you hit a sand spot flying off hit a big rock flying off Loose chain, flying off. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, I remember, in, and this is anecdotal, but I already had this belief before. In college, my bestie, he told me he's going to start biking around. And he's like, Sco, you should get, that's his nickname for me, Sco. Um, you should get a, a bike too, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't mess with those. I don't mess with those death traps. And I was like, I'm telling you, bro, <laughs> be yeah. careful in the streets. <laughs> the next day, my man came home with no front teeth. Oh no! <laughs> he busted his teeth out. I was like, I gotta touch you. And I'm laughing now because I was laughing then because it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, but 
I was like, told you. I ain't seen him on a bike since. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, and I think you're wrong, but uh, it's a pretty yeah. funny anecdote. Yeah. Um, one thing for people to look into if they haven't uh, or aren't aware of it, Amsterdam and Copenhagen. So the, the quote that the future... I mean, it's here, but just unevenly distributed. I mean, it's their public transit, pretty sweet. But beyond that, they are a bike-first city. In Copenhagen, if you get hit by a bike, it's your fault. Uh, who, a pedestrian or a car? Anyone. If anyone, like, gets hit by a bike or hits a bike, it's, like, the not the biker's fault, which I think could be questionable in some instances but like that that's how this and then the city is designed in, in around bikes and that they have their own bike lanes with uh street lights for bikes like stoplights and all that i do think that i'm just gonna hate on minneapolis st paul area for a second i do think that while there have been great strides forwards minneapolis and st paul are definitely not doing as good as Copenhagen and other cities. And oh. there are certainly neighborhoods and spaces where I, w- I would feel and did feel on the one single N of one bike trip that yeah. I've done in the Twin Cities area, I was scared. Yeah, I mean, I think, it, I mean, the big challenge is automobiles for sure. Like, I'm less worried about the personal accidents, but getting hit by a car, that's the... the scariest part. But in I'll, Chicago, the other, a while about, ago, we saw that, didn't we? Yeah. Drove um, by a bike accident. Yeah, again, a lot of this, I, we're speaking from anecdotes, so try to think in terms of statistics. If, if you're at all thinking about biking, I would recommend it. Uh, the Twin Cities is also, I mean, this is, is kind of a statement about America as well, but it is the number two, or according to, I, I couldn't cite the source, but it is one of the most bikeable cities in the, or set of cities in the nation mm-hmm. uh, i think definitely portland is the other one that's like uh touted but the yeah the bike trails if you're on bike trails that's what's quite nice or areas where there is a divider between the bike trail and the and the road is there something other than people other than people making the decision to and no i just repeated myself we did not like glitch or rewind or anything <laughs> i just said the exact same thing in the exact same way two times but <laughs> is there something about copenhagen that makes it bike friendly like do flat. they have flat well not just the not just that but like do they have like a sectioned off spot because for here it's just like the shoulder of the road oh in it's, it's, it's like, like a separate so there's like a curb and then it's bike spot and then walking after that um and then walking after that yes, so okay. bike we lanes have their own yes we need yeah that. we need that uh yeah they have their own dedicated lane everywhere okay um or pretty much everywhere except for like in the older spots of town pretty much um, well when they get electric automated bikes let me know there you I'll go i'll be there i'll be on those <laughs> <laughs> still relatively low carbon yeah <laughs> oh man uh, a quick Google is making me a little concerned about the biking scene. Uh-oh. But I think I'll Uh-oh. have to do more research. Dre's <laughs> uh, <laughs> dancing over here like, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I also saw one article titled, like, biking is as safe as you make it, right? Like, if you're out without a helmet and other things. I'm sure that that affects the stats. So I'll have to do a little more research. Maybe we can do a podcast on the, on the safety of biking. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> Definitely 
good point. Wear those helmets because as sexy as you look without a helmet, you look sexier with your brain inside your head. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that true. helmet on. Very, very fair. So uh, I'm wondering, you guys, we've talked, I mean, a bit about a few different things and surrounding the electric vehicle and safe energy and safe transportation and some on the future of transportation. What in the space of future transportation excites you the most? Honestly, I mean, it's not, it's not so future, but I think one thing that uh, was a, a striking move to highlight is this year French lawmakers, uh, I believe, either put it up to a vote or it's passed to outlaw short-distance air travel um, as long as there's a train that's two and a half hours or less in duration. And I... Yeah, I would love to see more trains in, in public transit in the U.S. Like, yeah, I think that, like, again, not so futuristic of, a, of an example, but it'd be mighty nice to hop on a train and have Wi-Fi and be able to do whatever I want uh, while I'm traveling. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 100% agree. I'm with you on that. And kind of, I mean, it is futuristic, but it's full circle, right? It's similar going back to the Breath podcast all these ancient people understood specifically the chinese in in india um knew about breath and then now america in the last few decades is like wait what's going on with breath you know what i mean so it's like same thing like we've known about the power of trains we know how important trains are but america a younger america where we didn't have as big of a population and we weren't we didn't understand climate change or didn't know about it we made these decisions and now we're hesitant to dig ourselves out of this hole and we're just digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper until all the people making money off of it die. And there's that. But what, <laughs> what, what, what am I excited about? <laughs> I am excited about Hyperloops, I think. So I've, yeah. I've done a, a tiny bit of research on them and I believe some people are saying it's implausible. They probably work for OPEC. I don't know. But some people are saying, like, yeah, it's maybe not so possible. But the Hyperloop idea is electro trains running by electromagnetism i believe when at crazy high speeds through as close to a vacuum i suppose as you can get so one that i heard that was posited was from la to dc maybe or new york or something like that in like an hour or an hour and a half there was one posited from like i don't know these crazy long distances but just in like 30 minutes 45 minutes just incredible time similar to some of us have commutes that are an hour long and you're just driving from Minneapolis to Burnsville or something stupid like that. So I'm excited for like hyper travel. Like I'm trying to go hyper speed. I'm trying to get to places. I'm trying to live in New York and work in LA in the morning. Like that's what I'm trying to do. So that's what I'm excited about. I don't yeah. actually live in New York, but yeah, but the picture. Yeah. 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 I think that future sounds exciting, enticing. Uh, and I think making those things relatively available for people who don't make a boatload of money is gonna be really important. So, for example, even now, we do have in the US trains who, who, trains who? Trains that carry people and will transit people from mostly like metro areas. But I think when I looked into taking a train from Minnesota to Colorado, it was going to cost somewhere around $300 or something like that. And I'm quite certain that gas to put in my vehicle would cost less. 
gas would cost less, but the wear and tear on your vehicle would Might add be similar. to that cost. And the oil change. But even still, I mean, having the cash to front right but now. But that versus a flight. Like a flight would be about the same price. Right. I think. Which, yeah. I, I have a friend, Louis, who I interviewed actually for one of these casts, um, or for a story cast. Uh, and he was talking about, uh, yeah, how his, a lot of his European friends who, because he lives in, in Sweden now, a lot of his European friends, when they come to the States, they'll take the Amtrak, which is like a big train company in the U.S. And yeah. is probably the one that you looked at. Yeah. And they had, they had expressed frustration at the relatively high cost of the Amtrak mm-hmm. compared to what they're used to back home. Um, which, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't know enough about the reasons if my hypothesis would be, uh, would be profit motives, but. I don't know. I mean, it, I don't know that it's so widely used. Yeah, Maybe it's if also demand went up, part of it. They would be able to ha- offer more rides and have lower price. Yeah, it's I, also, I would bet that's it's, also probably part of it. Yeah, I bet it's somewhere in between. I don't know many people have taken a train in their lifetimes for a trip. Uh, my family did, but even then, we took a train from Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, which is in rural northern Minnesota, uh, to Montana, but we still had to rent a vehicle once we got there because, we, I mean, there's not great public transportation in Montana to see Glacier National Park, so even there, this the energy save I think is challenging in the US also because the US is huge. Yeah, yeah, I wanna acknowledge to as well. Huge. Like that is why cars have dominated is because it's it is it is I mean, there's many reasons why cars have dominated in the US, but one of them is they're flexible <laughs> and where you can go. Yeah. Definitely. The well, hyperloop though, so expi- I'm excited for that. I wanna I wanna be able to hop hop in and be somewhere in 30 minutes for sure. I'm not a fan of five hour, six hour, seven hour car rides, even to get from where I live in uh, southwestern Minnesota, southeastern Minnesota, whatever, one of those two. <laughs> southern, southern Minnesota to northern Minnesota is like a five and a half hour drive. That's just for me to visit my parents mm. in the same state. And so I'm very excited for reduced speed. Do you guys think that it's feasible to have um, teleportation? Like scientifically feasible? Because that <laughs> would be awesome. Aiden was giving a little stretch because we're all doing yeah. a standing podcast right now. <laughs> he was t- touching his toes. And he probably wasn't thinking this, but the way he came up looked so like, what is happening? Where did this stretch come from? <laughs> I didn't do the research on teleportation. You want me to pull this out of my right now? <laughs> the look he had as he came up was so funny. Uh, you know, I... <laughs> Yeah, that's so funny. That was just out. Yeah, future the chef transportation. You I asked, mean, it starts. Yeah. It starts with electric cars, uh, and yeah, maybe teleportation one day. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think so. Again, like I'm no physicist or chemist or 3D printer, but I think uh, like one possibly. Haven't you ever seen Willy Wonka? It seemed. <laughs> Seem feasible. I mean, it's not like so. I mean, 
the way that 3D printing is going in terms of uh, being able to print tissues or at least portions of tissues, if hypothetically we could have all the information about somebody where all their molecules and, and everything else is and could then 3D print them somewhere else, does that count as teleportation? I don't know, but... Sounds like a clone to me. Sounds yeah, it might like be some, more of a clone. Whatever that movie was that Dre recommended one time, where there's like a copy of him that he killed every time. That's what that sounds like. Oh, the yeah, prestige. Yeah, it's probably more of a, a clone scenario, but... Yeah, I definitely thought of that um, with teleportation as well. So in, in the movie The Prestige, um, there's two magicians who are just having this epic battle. It's amazing, Christian Bale versus Hugh Jackman and also includes Michael Caine is directed by um, Christopher Nolan so incredible incredible film in my top 10 for sure maybe top five so every time that one character oh, do I want to spoil this right now I don't want to spoil it I don't want to spoil it I don't want to spoil it <laughs> nope go watch the movie tell me what you think Will Corcoran especially you uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so teleportation. So there's only two types of teleportation that I know about or can conceive in my mind right now. Number one is kind of what we were alluding to, where you break down all of your atoms and you refigure them, reconfigure them somewhere else. Yeah. And then there is like wormholes. Do I think either of those are possible on a, like, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Like, just on, like, a normal, everyday scale. <laughs> um, it seems tough, right? Because it's... How could we break down all of our, our molecules and atoms and then reconfigure them somewhere else almost instantaneous, instantaneously? I don't know. The interesting thing about that is, like, you have to be dead after that, right? But then you come back instantly alive. So yeah. I was like, should you be afraid of that? Should I be afraid of dying? Probably not, because people have died before. And come back to life, right? Like in a matter of a couple of minutes. That's the thing, right? You're legally, medically dead. Come yeah. back. That's happened, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, should you, you probably shouldn't be afraid of that. Oh, boom, yeah. a little two seconds of death, back at you. I wouldn't, I be, the, I wouldn't be the first one or the, <laughs> the guinea pig in that. No, no, no. In that experiment. I got a question for you. So given that concept, say that's possible, just hypothetically, whatever. Oh, I think it's possible, but yeah. Okay. okay. Um, the version that I just laid out? Yeah. Okay. So... You're a Christian, so you believe people have souls. I right? believe in what? You believe people have souls, right? That people have souls? Yes. Yeah. So someone teleports, they get their all their makeup disconfigured, and then amalgamated back again. Is this, where is the soul at? Where is the soul at? Yeah, after that happens, does the soul go away and come back? Does it not? Does the soul get broken down? Does it just stick with it? What does the soul do in that process? Oh, I would say that the soul sticks with the particles that make up you. And so your soul would then travel with you. Is your soul fractured into a bajillion tiny pieces? No, huh? Because your soul transcends space and time. So your soul just travels with you. Two from point A to point B. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Soul gotta take the hyper. He's like, where my body at? <laughs> Soul will be back in thirty minutes. <laughs> and he just, just hops back in, and you're good to go. Okay, so tell us why you think teleportation teleportation is possible. Is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's possible for a couple different reasons. We have seen over and over 
in our sh very short history of humanhood, if you will, of humanness, that science fiction has predicted something that could become reality. And that's, I mean, it's been true many times. It's even been true in things that are not referred to as science fiction, but in historical books or accounts of what people thought might happen in the future. Um, biblically, we call it prophecy, where some crazy outlandish idea has come to pass. And so I think in, in that vein, it, it seems like it's statistically probable that someone would figure it out at some point in time. I don't know when it would happen, and I certainly would be surprised if it would happen in our lifetime. But uh, of the two options, Why did you one, say statistically probable? Because mm, because I think of I think of the universe in terms of collisions, and I think I've said this before on a cast or in a post or something. But when I think of because I think of the universe in terms of like molecules colliding and vibrating energy, I think that the likelihood that an idea would turn into reality is highly more probable than a non-idea turning into reality and and almost like certainly probable that it would in some point in time become reality in our universe or in another either or yeah. i don't know that it needs to be okay. specified okay uh but yeah that's probably what i would say i think of the two though hypotheses that we just brought up one you're broken down into different pieces and then transported or two you you could enter some form of black hole. I think it'd be more likely that we would figure out how to simulate a black hole uh, that could then transport you faster than the speed of light from point A to point B and like bend. Black hole. Black. Wormhole. Wormhole, I guess. Okay. I'm sure, depending on which crazy metaphysicist you talk to, we're probably completely wrong. But this is this is like my. Not me. I'm right. <laughs> yeah. This is my. This is my guess. We don't know a lot about black holes, so they could no, have some right. interpretation abilities. Right. But I would, yeah, I would bet that we could figure out uh, something that would maintain the body so that we could travel that quickly and not be hurt and not have more dense organs flying out of our body and things, um, where we would, yeah, That'd enter into something. Summer. It would freeze us or some i mean flash freeze i don't know what it would be and then connect point a to point b through some form of wormhole and yeah then we pop up two minutes later in la from minnesota or in europe from minnesota be conceivable cool. would be i think cool. at some point in time this is really interesting because i think it's partly because of your ignorance on the topic and not like like, you're as ignorant as anybody would be on it. Like, we don't know shit about four miles and five miles and all that stuff. Until so, you were positing and giving a high probability and inevitability almost to this wacky out there idea. But in our uh, CRISPR episode, probably because you have more information on genes and stuff like that, you were like, all this crazy shit you're talking about, Dre, that ain't never going to happen. <laughs> Like, I don't see that as happening, all this superhuman stuff, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, nah, we're not cracking the code in that way. That's not what it's going to look like. Um, that's interesting. That just, I was like, wait, what? Jesus, she's out here sounding like me right now. But I respect the vision, and I'm with you. You <laughs> I, converted I, I, me. No, like, I mean, I like, the, I like the challenge, but I think I disagree because I think divergent evolution is more, more probable for humans because we have watched that happen. Um, and we've seen like subsets of species 
And so I don't know that humans would then evolve into something completely different or completely superior. There might be like a fraction of us that turn into some like more elven Elf. type of I think of that as like a often often yeah. superiorly depicted race that lives longer and is more wise and whatever else but and more healthy it seems uh and more attractive vegan. it seems <laughs> elves are vegan that's why they're so healthy and live so long yeah okay. <laughs> this is small plug but anyways yeah that's that's a good point though interesting yeah the future of transportation I mean I do I think it's I, I mean in a timeline where humans continue to exist I think yeah, Someone's got to figure that I out. I think that's probably the key question. It's like, do we figure it out? Yeah, like which time period? After we, before or after we drop, drop the nukes. Who knows? Uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. All right. I want to continue all of this wild conversation. I'm loving where, where we're going. But because this is about electric cars and because we are all for electric cars, and a lot of people aren't, I need to talk about something. And a lot of people aren't, or so, a lot of people are for it, but they don't have one because Teslas are really expensive. And yeah. so are Nissan Leafs and other Chevy Bolts, etc. But let me tell you why they're not expensive or as expensive as you think. They are expensive. So this time I do have my source. Thank you for calling me out on that earlier because okay. we definitely need to get better at referencing our um, sources in real time. So, by Consumer Reports, an article in October 2020 by Benjamin Preston. He says, this is not a quote, these are just little facts that he said, ownership costs of vehicles make up for the hefty electric vehicle purchase costs. So, ownership costs, so maintenance and all that type of stuff. So, um, electric vehicles cost 10 to 40% on average more than their gas equivalent. So, if you take cars to an electric vehicle, and uh, ICE vehicle that are about the same idea. Usually the electric vehicle is 10 to 40% more expensive. But he also says electric vehicles save $4,700 in their lifetime on gas alone. And he was saying their lifetime is 200,000 miles. So you're gonna be saving that 4,700. So can, you can take that off if you have the vehicle long enough. You can take that off of the um, purchase cost. Wild, and if you drive as much as I do, it's got to be more. Correct. Obviously. Right, like if that's yeah. if two hundred thousand miles is yeah. an average also, lifetime. Holy also, crap. if you're I think driving already... more in a city too, and it's short distance driving because it's less fuel efficient than highway driving. Wild. But yeah. Correct, and then total savings on average is between six thousand and ten thousand dollars for ownership costs. So all the little things, getting gas, maintenance, oil changes, all those things. And if you're like 200,000 miles, that's kind of a long time. He's got some seven year numbers as well. So a car on average over seven years is gonna save $4,700 and a truck, an electric truck on average will save $9,000 in that same spend or same span. Do you just call it an electric truck? Not, yes. Not an electric car? It's, I mean, that, these are just semantics at this mm. point. <laughs> okay, just checking. Um, so the Chevy Bolt, so let's get a little bit more specific. The Consumer Report, their studies, their data. The Chevy Bolt cost $8,000 more than a possible equivalent, the Hyundai Elantra GT. But Bolt costs $15,000 less over a 200,000-mile lifetime. So you'll be saving, the, if you buy the Bolt, over its lifetime, 200K miles, you will save $15,000. So that's a savings of 7,000. 
Oh, sorry, sorry. Cost fifteen thousand less, so fifteen thousand minus eight thousand. So you saved seven thousand. Wow. Okay. Also, the reason why electric cars are going to spike up, another reason why, is because the reason why they're so expensive is the battery cost. The lithium-ion battery is super crazy expensive, but there's so many people spending a ton of money, R&D, trying to figure out how to make this cheaper. And just like our iPhone is now a computer that costs a million dollars and was the size of this room, they will do the same thing for lithium battery technology. We'll find a way. Science will find a way. So that, that will drive down the price. So you won't have to worry about... First of all, the purchase costs will go down, but even on things like Priuses, if a lot of times the, the hybrid battery that Prius has, they say if that dies out, your car is pretty much totaled because they're so expensive. But in the coming years, next decade or so, those will be trending down heavily. There's also tax incentives. So they're different per state, but Scandinavia is really, really huge on these. That's why if you go to, I've only been in Norway, so I'll speak for Norway. If you go to Norway, you will see a ton of Teslas. And it's like, wait, and I, I was in Norway probably eight, six, six, seven, eight years ago. So a long time ago. And I'd probably seen like two Teslas in my life at that point in America. Yeah. And it was, there were a whole like, there were lots like with Teslas, just like riddled within them, like 20 Teslas in a lot. And I was like, are all these people just super rich? Like what's going on? And then my guy was like, no, like the government essentially pays you, right? Gives you these incentives, gives you these breaks to own an electric vehicle here. So that's why Scandinavia is crazy electric car heavy. Also, the average maintenance savings for an electric vehicle is $4,600. And there is this, um, actually, I'll stop there for cost because I'm kind of hitting you guys with a lot of numbers. But as I said, the average cost in general overall over its lifetime between $6,000 and $10,000. So electric vehicles are cheaper than you think. Wild. Yeah, that's not something I would have known, and it's not where my research brought me. So, thank you. Useful. No doubt. Yeah. Valuable common sense information. <laughs> yeah, and I think, too, just the, as far as the anticipation of the battery costs going down, a, uh, in my mind, uh, quite apt comparison as far as precedent goes for prices decreasing over time is that of the computer. So, computers have gone down. Uh, so in just the last several decades, computer technology has advanced so, so significantly that you can spend $200 today for a basic laptop computer that has performance standards that are almost infinitely better than notebooks available in 1994, uh, that cost more than $5,000 in 2016 dollars. So like the, the change in cost has been, I mean, just extraordinary. It's been 90, it's 96% cheaper than a nine. 1994 model wow, so and a thousand times better from five thousand dollars to 200 yeah that was the wow yeah um so and that's in the span of 25 years so yeah you give give tesla 25 more years and yeah knows where they'll be wild well common scientists were at about time so i want to see if you guys want to jump in with any other crazy wild comments about the future of transportation no i think hyperloop and teleportation about did well i hope this cast encourages encourages you guys to consider maybe the probability of looking into an electric vehicle one day and at the very least challenges you to think more about clean energy and transportation and some of the wildness that 
might be available one day and potentially would be available within your lifetime, maybe not teleportation, but some of the Hyperloop stuff and certainly more train transportation available in the United States. That's it for this week on Common Science. Hey, Common Scientists. Hope you enjoyed the cast. Thanks for investing in Common Science. We hope it brought as much value to you as it did to us. To learn more, smash the subscribe button and visit our website, commonscientists.com, where you can read our blog, join our email newsletter, and follow us on social media. Finally, if you like what we have to say, you can absolutely support us on Patreon. We can always use more support. You can navigate there also from our website, commonscientists.com, common scientists with an S, so that we can continue cultivating a community of common scientists.